Blog Talk Radio. Okay, boys, stand by. And welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio. This is our March 22nd, 2015 edition of Beyond the Gate Radio. I am your host, David M. Baker, and my website is mediumdavidb.com. So, my co-host tonight, my regular co-host, my angel, Sherelle Baker. Welcome, Sherelle. How are you doing tonight, young lady? <laughs> Thank you. Well, Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here on the show, David. So what's going out? What's going on tonight? Give me the rundown. I will. As soon as I mention a, a few quick things, we're in California, West Coast. I mean, we've had a seemingly perpetual summer, and we're still praying for rain. We got some today. We need more rain because we have a drought. We're also praying for the people back east to ease the snow for them there. And I made a connection with a friend today whom I've been on a radio show many times and she's been on mine and we're going to work together. Her name is uh, Joyce Keller, a radio host from New York. Her husband, Jack Keller, passed away last month and so uh, our prayers go with her and Jack. God bless her. Yes, I just talked with her a little while ago and uh, we were talking about our guest book tonight uh, you know, how amazing his book is. You know, I, I know some psychics and mediums, you know, for over the years that I've been doing this, and I'm writing myself. And every time one of them puts out a book, I say, you know what, <laughs> I'm not going to write. They beat me to the punch. But tonight's, our guest book is just absolutely amazing. So let me tell you a little bit about the book and then about our guest, and I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. Okay, so the book we're talking about, you know, which some of the par- you know some of the parts in, in his book just really you know can relate to growing up the same uh, approximately the same time period although I think I'm just a little bit older than he is and experiences that run through my both all my family lines as well uh, but my heart just you know went out to him when I read some of the experiences true experiences in his book about what happened in his family in many instances, and the, you know, discovery and knowing of his gifts and and everything that happened there, the evidence that he provided, you know, it's just, I couldn't put, I could not put his book down, okay? So, Evidence of Eternity is his new book, Communicating with Spirits for Proof of the Afterlife. Since the dawn of recorded history, millions of people worldwide have reported contact with spirits of deceased loved ones. Evidence of eternity, communicating with spirits for proof of the afterlife, is the newest thought-provoking book by Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, which brings decades of experience, wisdom, and spiritual study together. This groundbreaking and uplifting journey into the afterlife bridges the gap between the scientific and the spiritual and removes fear and superstition surrounding spirit contact. This book is intelligent, entertaining, in style, and presents the scientific basis and theories concerning life after death, spirit communication, of course, both human and animal, which is natural, and karma and reincarnation. Every chapter of this riveting page-turner, and I'm telling you because I read it, features enlightening and exciting true stories, evidence of eternity, and there's a link on it on a radio show page at the bottom, tackles many questions and concepts about the afterlife. It provides insights on difficult subjects, including crime, 
homicide, suicide, losing a child, and survival, survival, survivor, pardon my French, folks, uh, Eastern French, that is, and survival, survivor guilt. Maybe I need a glass of water. <laughs> Interwoven with these stories are new and innovative concepts developed by Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, which explains spirit communication in easy-to-understand language. Mark's research is based on scientific principles, theoretical physics, uh, physiology, theology, and credible evidence. And I'm sure he didn't want to write too much, much, much more in the background involved with that as well. And I know it for sure. Now let me tell you about our amazing guest, Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, is a practicing medium who not only communicates with spirits, he is also a successful attorney licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Mark graduated from Mercer Law School with honors, which included the study of law at Oxford University in England. He has also studied mediumship in England at the Author Finley College for the Advancement of Psychic Science. Mark Anthony is a published author of the bestseller, Never Letting Go, which is a definitive guide to healing grief with help from the other side. And his new book, Evidence of Eternity, Communicating with Spirits of Proof of the Afterlife. Uh, one of my friends, John Holland, went to author Finley, uh, Finley College in England. And, you know, some of the best psychic meanings in the world have come out to that come out from that esteemed college. Anyway, without further ado, we welcome our esteemed guest, medium, the psychic lawyer, Mark Anthony. Mark, welcome to Beyond the Gate. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, thank you, David. Yay. It's great to be here. <laughs> and thank you, Sherelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Mark. Congratulations on your new book, Mark. Evidence of Eternity, Communicating with the Spirits of, for Proof of the Afterlife. You know, I know a lot of psychic mediums, and you just can't be one like myself and do it for a year or two or whatever, and then turn around and put out a book like this. You need to do the actual readings to get the experience, many readings. Additionally, perhaps you may need to talk to other mediums, psychics, and or do uh, an immense amount of research. And you need to look on both sides of the same coin, science versus religion or spirituality. And what made you decide to look on both sides of the scale and bring this information together to present it to people? That, that's, thank you, David. I appreciate you asking me that. What happened was I wrote Never Letting Go, which was um, released in 2011. And Never Letting Go has helped people all over the world. I mean, uh, I'm still getting emails uh, from folks who are telling me how healing it was, and, and that, that's really, really wonderful. And in the past three years, I've been on tour promoting Never Letting Go. So what started happening is in my gallery reading events where I do connections for people uh, be, you know, on this side with their loved ones on the other side, and then in the question and answer sessions that I have after, after the readings, I started hearing a lot of the same questions. What happens when I die? Um, do animals have souls? My son committed suicide. Did he go to hell? Is there a God? Uh, I mean, the, the, and, and I heard so many profound questions that were really on people's minds and things like, well, is there a scientific basis behind uh, spirit communication? Um, what happened to the person who murdered uh, one of my family members? And I lost a child or I lost um, um, a child before he or she was, you know, came to term. What happened to the spirit of of that person? And so I started keeping track of these questions, and I decided that it would be important to write a book to explain how all these things work and how spirit communication work, works. Because it's not woohoo or, or airy fairy uh, fantasy or magic or science fiction. There is a realistic 
a scientific and a logical explanation for why all of this happens. And that was the genesis, if you will, for, for writing Evidence of Eternity. And so it took probably about four to five years to compile the stories that are illustrating the points, yet an entire lifetime of my research into religion, um, finding proof for the afterlife, belief in God. Um, to so, so there was like four to five years to compile the stories and my entire life for the uh, the data and the research. That's that, a lot. That's it, a lot. <laughs> that is a yeah, lot. Yeah, it, it is it a lot. Is like, and, and you know, it's it's wonderful. It's it's wonderful because uh, people keep emailing me and, and writing on Facebook. I loved your book. I read it in one day. And on one hand, I'm like, yay, they love. And on the other hand, it's like, this been this is my life's work, and they just read it in a day. But you know, I mean, what a great, what a wonderful and beautiful compliment from people. Well, you've done you've done the work that's really helped um, heal a lot of broken hearts and a lot of people that um, didn't get a chance to have the closure. And you know, I wanted to put out there that we just re- I just recently lost a coworker, and you know if you don't know what to look for, a lot of people didn't know what to look for. And a lot of the questions are coming up from in your book. So I have to bring your book to work so people can look at it and, and, you know, get familiar with what's going on. So it's, this is the perfect opportunity. And I'm so happy that you're here tonight to explain it. That's right. We're going to make sure that we give a few copies out to the, we work in law enforcement, so we're going to make sure some of the deputies get some of the books because since I published my my book in 2007, a lot of them have become open to it. And so now they're open to more uh, information. I mean, you know, so uh, I'm sure that your book will be well-received and welcome, and you might even get contact. But, I mean, I'm talking about people in law enforcement, you know, that want more than prima facie evidence. They want, you know, inimical proof. So uh, they're starting to see it because they have their own stories that they normally don't talk about. And I, I think that this book is a step further that will help you know, people understand, relax, open their minds, and accept what is now starting to become, well, it's not mainstream now, but you know, what you do, Mark, wasn't accepted 30 years ago, you know, you call on a radio show and they'll laugh at you and hang up or whatever, or somebody will call the men in the white coats, you know, they're coming to take me away, ha But now, it, I don't know what's happening. Uh, we have a, must have had a major paradigm shift or something. But, you know, your it, book, it's really, everybody's it's, got to read your book. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um you know, we are, at least in Western society, this is now an openly discussed topic because so many people have been having these experiences. And spirit contact and and, and people who have believed in it, I mean, this has been going on for thousands of years. It just used to be a very quiet and clandestine thing. And my research um, in, in other areas has yielded that out of our, you know, 44 presidents, about 16 of them have had psychic advisors, and that's just the United States. A lot of world leaders, uh, not just in the modern era, but going back thousands of years, have consulted with mediums and psychics for various reasons. So we've been part of the culture, but we're sort of that, um, we're kept in the closet, we're swept under the rug, and then when it comes to the forefront, um, I know that the, the Reagan administration took a lot of heat for um, um, Nancy Reagan's use of Joan Quigley, who was an astrologer, to help advise the Reagans. And the Clintons came under fire for uh, Hillary's connection with Gene Houston. And then, of course, they denied it, although Gene Houston you know, gave a, gave a very telling account of, of the Clintons' work with uh, psychics and mediums. But even presidents such as Richard Nixon, Warren G. Harding, um, John F. Kennedy, uh, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it's just the the number of presidents who've been consulting with mediums and psychics. Um, uh, Winston Churchill was uh, very much tied into 
um, using psychics to to advise him during the war years and probably through his entire life. So there's nothing new about it, but it's really refreshing that this has now come to the forefront. People are talking about it. And, you know, Dave, I'm sure you and and Sherelle probably get this, too. You get the people that say there's – and I'm not even going to mention the organization, (laughs) okay? I think you know who I'm talking about. Okay. They're just – yeah, they're just negative about everything. Okay, everyone who believes in God or an afterlife is delusional. Anyone who um, says that they have psychic ability is a charlatan. I mean, and, and they say that, oh, yeah, take our challenge and you'll make all this money. But it's in Star Trekking terms, the proverbial Kobayashi Maru, the completely unwinnable oh, right. scenario. Right. Yeah, okay. And then you have, on the other hand, you have the religious zealots and fanatics who, well, it says in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus that mediums are not a god. It's like, yeah, well, eating a ham sandwich is not of God either, but they don't seem to be up in arms about that. So, so you know, here we are in the middle, and you're getting all these people throwing stones at us, and what they think doesn't matter. And that's part of living in a free society. They have a right to either be closed-minded or religious fanatics, but we have right a right to talk about our spiritual and religious beliefs and these abilities, which everybody has in varying degree. And and that's one of the things that that I love about you know living living in the United States and living in a free society. You know we're not perfect, but we're 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 working at it. Right. right. I totally agree. And, you know a lot of these haters or disbelievers, now I'm not talking about normal skeptic, I have an agenda against us, which doesn't bother me at all, because you know uh, like Anthony Hopkins said that you know I do what I do no matter. What anybody says, I don't care what they think. I'm doing what I'm doing. They may have a synthetic, inimical agenda against us, but that doesn't bother me at all. Um, you know, like you said, it goes back to the Oracle of Delphi, or even further, Socrates. Yes. All people, you know, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it had to be kept, you know, in private. But it is what it is. I mean, there was a time when religion was accepted and science was not. And if you said that the you know, earth was not perfect but was orange shaped and we revolved around the sun instead of going around us that you could be burned at the stake. Now science became acceptable, but now put the two together, you know, they clash because where is the proof? Well, it seems that nowadays they're starting to come together you know, starting to understand little by little science and religion, like, you know, the God particle, the Cedron Collider Accelerator, and uh, all these things. Uh, not only that, but there have been prominent people from the United States presidents on down that, you know, had Jeannie Dixon and all these other people in the White House. Of course, and they had to keep it private. But, you know, like you said, there is empirical proof Already, keep in it, especially from the Psycho Research uh, Institute uh, from London from back in the 1800s, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and you know all kinds of people that we look up to and trust have well documented films, tapes, uh, documents. You know, for a long time, you know, it's just like UFOs. Well, there's no such thing as little green men, but with through the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, you can, you know, from generals, CIA, whatever, there's documented proof that there's something out there. I mean, you know, why do we have to fight for this, you know, to, you know, the people that come to it, us, it, it, you know, it's amazing. I mean, what's going on? Isn't it? it it's amazing that that um, no matter what, there there's going to be naysayers. I mean, the, I mean and, and there's even people who believe that the um that the, the US never landed on the moon. Um and then you're gonna get the people that even if if um you did accept their challenge and you could create a spirit to materialize next to you, they would scream fraud. That may be the nature of humanity, that there's always contrarians and that there's always negative people. But I like what Winston Churchill said. So what if you have enemies? All that means is that you stood up for something sometime in your life. Very well said. That's right. That's right. Now, what do you think about this? Now, I, you know, I don't want to get too far off track of your book because I have some 
interesting questions about that. Uh, you know, somebody said, well, you know, what's, why is God angry at us? What do you mean? Well, look at all the war and poverty and famine and everything that's going on on the earth. You know, God has abandoned us. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm only saying this because I want your take on it, that you know, God gave us here, he gave us life on earth, you know, as a gift through, and gave us free will. So we could, you know, feel something from the other perspective, like looking back at the mirror. In heaven is perpetual paradise. And then after a while you get bored, and ah, I don't want that. When you come to earth, now you're cold, you're hungry, you know, fight for uh, to survive, and you feel good and bad, whatever. You know, the yin and the yang. Through our free will, we made the world the way it is. But also, uh, why is there evil in the world? Well, you can't have a world. God didn't create evil. It just perhaps came about naturally. You know, like uh, darkness and light is natural. We can't live without that. We can't live without sim- summer and winter and so forth and so on. And uh, But we have free will and a conscious and feelings to know, well, if evil is not good, then let's not go there. Let's stay on a good path. I mean... What did you What did you take on that before I start getting into the book? I'm sorry, it's a tough question, but well, I mean, as I as I discuss in Evidence of Eternity, one of God's gifts to humanity is free will, and it reminds me of uh, that old movie. I think it was even back in the '70s. I remember seeing it like in an afternoon matinee um, on TV. Uh, oh God where George Burns played God and John oh, right. Denver was this nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah and, and God, you know, and, and, and so, so when John Denver, whatever the character's name was, realized that he's talking to God, he said, well, how can you tolerate war and disease and oppression and discrimination and, and all the suffering? How can you tolerate it? And God looks at him and says, how can I tolerate it? That's a great question. How is it that we tolerate it? I mean, just look point. at what's going on in the world right now. Humanity tolerates bigotry, hatred, anger, and violence. And then, you know, a belief in God and all the major religions talk about, you know, treat other people the way you want to be treated. They all have a golden rule. Yet then... When you look at an organization like ISIS or ISIL or whatever that fanatical, disgusting group of of morons in in the Middle East um, call themselves, that is a perfect example of everything that is wrong with religion. That's religious Mm -hmm. fanaticism taken to the extreme. And I cannot yeah. believe that there's people in this country, politicians, that say this must become a Christian nation. And well, then whose Christianity? <laughs> whose Christianity right. do you want this to be? Um, and and there's a reason that our founding fathers believed in a separation of church and state. And the founding fathers were far from perfect. Um, and in a, cause in, in one of the, the cop-outs in the legal system is, well, it's not what the framers intended. And I love it when when um, um, uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle talk about what the framers intended. Well, what the framers intended was to create a constitution that can be amended and adapted to changing times because they were students of history and they had the foresight to understand that society is not stagnant. And they themselves realized that they were not perfect. A lot of them owned slaves. None of them allowed women to vote. Okay, It was a segregated, oppressive, racist society, yet they realized that we had to separate religion and government and guarantee a certain Bill of Rights, and then those freedoms would grow from there. And so... Whenever you know we hear about, well, how can God tolerate these things? Well, how can humanity tolerate them? How can we tolerate to see children throughout the world who are in this country, too, starving? How can we tolerate women not being able to show anything but their eyes? 
um, you know, when you see these these people from the Middle East and their their wives are wrapped up like mummies and the guys walk around wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Yes, I know that's the religion and it must be respected and protected, but but it's time for people to progress into a new era of enlightenment and understanding and and let go of these medieval archetypes. I agree on that. And, you know, it's a very diverse world we live in. And, uh, you know, all people that practice religions, no matter, you know, if it's Muhammad or Christianity or whatever faith, you know, they're, they, I think they're trying to do their best to be, you know, how we feel free and happy and help others. And then there may be, you know, no religion is perfect because we made it, not God, okay? So we made it back prophets or whatever, and there may be something wrong about it. And, you know, let, let's say talking about ISIS, you know, the Islamic extremists, for example, they take it to whole new level for their agenda so they're abusing the religion because I have a lot of Islamic friends and they, they tell me that you know, we don't believe what they believe and we believe in love and peace and all that and so forth so that's good you know, and God doesn't care what we do God you know, created whatever and let it go God is not angry, God is not upset God is the creator I mean, you know, that's a whole other show right there but you know uh, I read one of the books recently, uh, a year ago, Dr. Eben Allen, who is a uh, neurologist who had a near-death experience. I say that because you mentioned that in your book. I had one, my yes. wife had one also. And he said that when he went to the other side, that they told him four key things. One is that you know, you're loved, you're safe, you're eternal, and there's nothing that you could ever do that's wrong. Now I'm thinking about, well, maybe from what I already knew, that Earth is a school, maybe, or something, because we're in eternal. So I ask you this. If somebody down here murdered another person, is the murderer going to go to hell? Now, is God going to send him there, or does God care, or no? What, what's going on here? How can this be happen? What happens if an innocent person is murdered? You know, what happens to the murderer? I, I I go into that in extreme detail in Evidence of Eternity because I write a chapter about um, crime, homicide, and the other side. But. Um, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's what the laws of physics teach us. The book of Galatians teaches us, whatever a man shall sow, he shall reap. And according to the Hindus and the Buddhists, the law of karma says that for uh, whatever you do comes back on you. So if somebody murders another person in, in cold blood, and when that person's spirit crosses to the other side, I do not believe in the archetypical hell of the, the guy with the pitchfork running around and and uh, you getting sent into this um, eternal pit of fire. <laughs> That's um, true. The, That's my concept, favorite scene, though. <clears throat> uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and the the concept of hell took, took uh, centuries to develop because outside of Jerusalem, there's a valley known as Gehenna. And for people who could not afford a proper burial and criminals, their bodies were thrown into sulfur pits that were, you know, on fire. And and they call that brimstone. In other words, fire and brimstone. So in, in, in Judaism of the Bronze Age, if you were bad, you ended up in Gehenna. Then as Christianity began to emerge, it turned into the concept of hell. Then as the Roman Empire expanded and came into contact with the Persians to the east, where Zoroastrianism is the unending conflict between light and dark, and the Nordic religions, where there was um, the god Loki, who behaves very much like uh, the somewhat modern-day Satan, these legends and folktales got incorporated to, if you don't do this, then this is what's going to happen to you. And then when the Romans... Um, took con- command of Christianity 300 years after the death of Jesus, and Constantine creates the Christian Empire of the Roman Empire. 
um, if you look at depictions of God throughout the centuries, they look a lot like Constantine. <laughs> the white man sitting on the throne with the power of life and death, and or in this case, uh, salvation or eternal damnation over everyone in the universe. And the imperial Roman decree was uh, was that Jesus was considered God, and he will return, but until he does, Constantine, Emperor of the Romans, is God's vicegerent on earth and the equal of the apostles. And if you don't listen to him, you go to hell. So this concept of hell is what's developed. And, and, it's, and, and, and even though the fundamentalist types, they have a right to believe what, what they believe, they're missing the metaphorical implications um, of the Bible. The idea that God who is pure love and the most loving parent of all, where all the children of God would condemn a child to hellfire and brimstone for eternity, is absurd. Um, God did not create a negative energy to fight with um, unendingly until at some point vanquishes him. That, that's, that's a Viking myth. What, what happens is that people cross over to the other side. There appears to be a multitude of frequencies some more aligned with the higher, what I call the heaven dimension, and many that are farther removed from it. Perhaps you could call that a hell dimension if you would like, but it's not a stagnant or an eternal or perpetual state, and people can emerge from it. And this is is not um, the, strictly my idea. Um, this, that concept is based on my research and based on the readings that I've done, but also this is at the root of all the major religions. Most religions have multiple levels to the other side. Islam does, the Mormonism does, Hinduism does, Buddhism does, um, the Catholic religion does, and even the early Christian philosophers in the first couple centuries after the passing of Jesus wrote uh, Origin of Alexandria, one of the great Christian theologians wrote that we go through a succession of lifetimes until we are one with God. Okay, so he's talking about reincarnation. And so if you do commit this horrible evil act, you're going to going to cross to the other side. You're going to be farther removed from the higher levels and you need to work your way out of that, either in some spiritual sense or returning to the material world. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what do you think uh, about the author Dante, 16th century author, Dante's Inferno? Do you think the inception of that book could, could have had a lot of influence on the Catholic Church and others that, you know, his amazing book, Dante's Inferno uh, introduce you to the possibility of going to hell. And I'm thinking that, you know, a lot of the guys have said that, well, you know, if you believe in certain things, you know, why are, are you know, a small majority of people here as a ghost, earthbound spirit, not crossing over? Because they believe that, you know, if they cross through the light, they will be judged and go to hell because of their religious upbringing. So, you know, they don't they, they don't move on to the light. They stay here. Um, or those that do cross over it end up in a hell, and the angel will come to them and say, what are you doing there? Well, I'm in hell. I sin, you know. And the angel will say, don't you hear the music in the background? It's all in your mind, you know, that, you know, come on out here and I'll show you that, you know, you're... Forgiven because you're just experiencing. I mean, you know, I don't blame human beings for what they've been taught, especially by you know people that are way up there, leaders. You know, they're confused. They they don't know. So that's why I think you know God brought mediums here to see certain things to help other people to clear up the mess. Now, I know, I don't know everything, and I'm sure mediums don't, but we know and see a great deal more than the average person. So, you know, do you think God created mediums to, you know, kind of help people get through the chaff, you know, I think open that, little, the minds a little bit or what? I think that mediums have insights, and psychics uh, have insights. It certainly we're not omnipresent and that, that we're all knowing and all seeing, that that's strictly for God. But I also think that everyone is capable 
of a mediumistic experience, although not everybody is a medium. And what I mean by that is we're all capable of sensing the presence of a deceased loved one or having a dream. Uh, in fact, last night I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who's a U.S. Army Ranger. Okay, this guy's about as left-brained, and, you know, he's he is G.I. Joe. Okay, and... But but we were talking about intuition and feelings, and he said, man, if I didn't trust my gut feelings in a combat situation, I'd be dead. And I was explaining, well, that's exactly, right. that's using your intuition. And, and Sherelle, uh, women are, are very open to the concept of intuition, correct? Yes. Yes, we are. Right. I mean, you know, women's intuition. I mean, it's funny, whenever I'm talking to a room full of people, I said, all right, how many people in here, how many women in here have women's intuition? And, of course, every woman raises their hand. And then with the guys, they're <laughs> expecting the same. Yeah, you know. I said, guys, how many guys in here are married to women with women's intuition? And pretty much all of them raise their hand. I say, guys, how many of you have gut instinct? And they're like, yeah, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, you know, so we all grunt at each other and agree that that's a yes, um, because, you know, Harrison Ford has got instinct, Did Clint Eastwood, Denzel Washington, you know, Bradley Cooper, you know, it's sort of a, you know, right. and, and when we, yeah, when we, we put it in terms like that, so we all have the ability to have these experiences, it's just that some people are better at it than others. Um, now, whether God specifically put us here, um, God specifically puts us all here, and whether or not people want to to be open to these experiences, that therein lies that um, um, that choice, that free will. Um, you know, in, in that old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You know, you can lead a debunker to to evidence, but you can't make them think. That's right. I agree. God put you in the jungle, what are you going to do now? You know what I mean? Even in a, in a police academy and at work, you know, uh, well, you know, I don't believe in psychics and media and blah, blah, blah. Well, how did you know the crook was in that house and not, you know, take? He, he didn't get in the car and take off? Well, it was a gut instinct, you know, or something like that. And I said, well, what's yep. a gut instinct? You know, what's the feeling I had? And I said, well, you know, What's the feeling that you had? Extrapolate on that a little bit. And they said, Well, you know, I had a feeling I said, you know what? Psychic, duh. I mean, I'm sure we all you know, if you come here and you can't see a spirit or a ghost or tell what's gonna happen tomorrow, you're a great musician. I play guitar and everybody laughs at me, but they have that gift. I don't. Okay? Right. Now I can I can see spirits and all that and they can't. So, you know, each and every one of us, uh, like it says in, uh, I put it in my book, uh, uh, from the Bible, Corinthians one eleven, you know, where it says each of us has spiritual gifts and so forth and so on. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I believe that we all have something. You no, know, I believe that some type of psychic ability is inherent in all of us, but it probably lies, you know, either dormant or or unused in some people and it comes up eventually you know when we need it as a natural instinct and but not everybody can do it like you can because you came specifically to do what you do you know what i mean and but you can show other people how to access it they might not be able to do as good as you can because that's your specific purpose but however they may be able to learn to listen to it a little bit better to help keep them safe, improve their lives, or, or whatever. I know it's a difficult challenge, but... Yes, it is a difficult challenge. You know, now, now, now Mark, uh, a lot of people don't understand, <clears throat> excuse me, what's a psychic, what's a medium. My take on it, a psychic, is you can see things about people, the Akashic Records, whatever, about things here, you know, earthbound, problems, whatever, and medium... Uh, can see not only that, but things from the spirit world, which is different than the psychic. But you have to have psychic abilities to use the tools to do that as well. And it depends on what frequency you use. Like psychics use, like you said in your book, perhaps, this is a really good example, but better than mine, AM frequency to see stuff. But a psychic medium has AM and FM frequency. Could you explain a little bit about that? 
the ability to be a psychic or a medium is all about tuning into vibration or frequency. And psychics are able to tune into the energy or the vibration, rather, of a person, place, or thing. So if you want to um, find out about your love life, career, health status, you want to talk to a psychic. What a medium does is they're able to tune into the energy of a third party, which is a spiritual entity. And it appears that all psychics, um, excuse me, all mediums have both psychic and mediumistic ability, but not all psychics have mediumistic ability. So it's like the difference between an AM radio and an AM FM radio. So both psychics and mediums are tuning into frequency. It's just different wavelengths that they're able to tune into. That's amazing. And I encourage everybody to read your book where you explain it in more detail, give the example that they can read through and then come back and truly understand it. That's really amazing. And something else I found in your book, and you know, I'm going to let you talk about it because you won't give away everything because you want people to read the book and I, I do too because they really should yeah. I want to you know I've done readings where I've had people that have committed suicide come through I'm not going to talk about my experiences I'm not going to say anything about it this is your show if somebody commits suicide you know there's implications uh, that are um, caused um, yeah I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, there's implications on both this side and the other side. I'm so, sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, but, no, go ahead. but you know, I mean, there is people that, you know, some people think that, well, so-and-so was selfish and he chickened out and he killed himself. Now the family has to suffer, the loved ones, everybody has to go through all this stuff and they have to suffer this and that because what he did. And then when the person who killed himself goes in spirit, you know, like, did I solve the problem? You know, this is good now or not or what? I mean, you know, if somebody commits suicide, now I can understand, you know, if they're uh, about to be captured by an enemy in war and about to be tortured to death. <laughs> you know, nobody wants that. They're going to die anyway. You know, so they commit suicide by biting a pill or shooting themselves in the head. Or if you know, somebody has cancer, stage 4 plus, and they just can't take it anymore. Or if you know, somebody just said, well, I have money problems, I can't provide for my family, and they check it out and kill themselves. You know, I mean, you know, are, are they so far uh, beyond logic that they're in so much mental and physical pain that they just know, don't know what they're doing and they just end it all. And then if they do, you know, whatever the case may be, and I know there's different cases, if somebody commits suicide, well, let, let, how, let me, let me, how does let me God interject look at here, that? David. What happens? Uh, let me interject. Um, what, what psychologists and psychiatrists seem to agree on is that someone who is of a suicidal mindset is living in what they perceive to be a hellish reality that is so painful, so horrible, and so excruciating that they can find no way out of it, and that their consciousness has become their tormentor, and that the only way to escape from this is cessation of consciousness. In other words, uh, taking their own life. And... I saw a movie the other night, uh, Fury, with uh, Brad Pitt. And for those of you who like war movies, I, I could not recommend it more. But there's this one scene where um, they're in a tank, and in, in a tank in front of them, uh, there's an attack. It takes place in World War II, and one of the young uh, soldiers in that tank, he's just all of a sudden covered with gasoline, and he's on fire, and he's burning to death. And he takes a gun out and blows his brains out. And it's an absolutely, like, white-knuckle, riveting <laughs> scene. And, and, and it's a perfect example. That guy did not want to die. 
that was not what he was thinking of that day when he woke up as I was going to die. But all of a sudden, his reality became so unbearable, there was only one way out. Now, I know that's a very, very extreme example, but for people who have like chronic depression and mental illness, or they, they suffer from, from all sorts of self-esteem ideation, the pain for them, in in as many ways, can become just as difficult. Uh, last year, when Robin Williams committed suicide, I was on Great Day Houston, the CBS uh, morning show on television in Houston, and and they were asking me about Robin Williams. I mean, who couldn't love Robin Williams? We all knew Robin Williams. Right. When Robin Williams right. killed himself, yeah, Sherelle, wasn't that a death in the family? Yes, it's like, it was. <laughs> Yes. It, it was. I mean, everyone knows Robin Williams. Everybody either, uh, you know, saw his TV show or his movies or, or something. I mean, everything from he the genie from Aladdin. And I've met him. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. And, and he, he was just this, this great guy. And, and the, the thought that somebody who brought so much laughter and joy into millions of lives was so insufferably unhappy... It, it it started a lot of discussions. Well, and and people are now looking at suicide differently. Do you know more people die per year from suicide than they do from car accidents in the United States? Did you know that? No. Know that. No. Uh, no, really. Yeah, but how many times you see in the newspaper, you know, so-and-so committed suicide because of the social stigma. And it's not just the stigma in the U.S., um, all the religions create these, you know, if you commit suicide, you will go to hell. Even the, the very tolerant Buddhists start this, oh, that's really negative karma, that's really bad, because it hurts people in such painful ways. So even though a lot of religions say that uh, committing suicide is a one-way ticket to hell, we are all the children of God, and there is no one size fits all for what happens with suicide. Now, there may be listeners tonight who are extremely depressed and and thinking of of suicide. And there may be listeners tonight who are concerned about someone that they care about very much who is possibly contemplating suicide. And for all of you, what I want you to know is that you are not alone nor do you have to go through this alone. There are suicide prevention hotlines, and the people on those hotlines, they are trained professionals. They are not there to judge you. They are not there to harp at you and pick at you. They're there to help, and they chose that line of work because they care about people. So if you are thinking that your life is unbearable, reach out, reach out, for for a sympathetic ear, reach out for, for someone that help. can help you. Yes. Absolutely. For reach help. out for help. And for people who think that a loved one or a close friend may be suicidal, do not handle this alone. You too, call those professionals. Find out what do I do? Who can I bring in to help? Because I think it's somebody at, at at some point in everybody's life, everybody comes to that, is this all there is? I'm so depressed. It's just that the people who who go through with it take it a step further. And there are definite karmic repercussions for committing suicide. And if you think your life was bad this time, wait till next time. And you really don't want to do that because every day that we are alive is a test. It's also an opportunity. It just depends on how you want to perceive it. I couldn't agree more. Yes. And uh, normally I wouldn't admit this, but I, you know, I'm uh, almost 65, and I'm going to say whatever I want. And so 45 and 35 years ago, 45 years ago, I have a scar on my arm for one to commit suicide when I was in the military the first time. 35 years ago, after I got out of the military the second time, you know, it was top secret clearance and all this other good stuff. Uh, I almost jumped off a bridge, but I had a spiritual awakening. And let me tell you that, you know, after the first time, things were okay, but then it got bad again to the second time. So the second time that I wanted to do it, I didn't do it, you know. 
and, and I was homeless and everything, and things were really bad. I just wanted to jump, but I didn't. And my life turned around the, the very same day, and I made it to where I am now. And I said, oh, my God, thank goodness I didn't do that. I have a beautiful wife, a home, and everything I ever wanted. You know, if if I don't, you know, those other people would just wait another hour, you know, another day or another week or whatever, you know, things are better for sure. And and, and I don't believe that, you know, you're right, Mark. You know, you know, if you make an agreement with God to, you know, come here to do something, and you don't complete it, and you just check it out and do that. You're going to have to complete it eventually. And if you commit suicide, I guess, you know, like I have all these problems and you're dead, but not really dead because you transition to a ghost because you don't go to the light yet, whatever, you know, purgatory, whatever you want to call it. And I say, oh, my God, you know, I, you know this is my natural body. It's my spiritual body. And I still have the problems. I killed myself. I want to go back, but it's too late. Your body, you can't go back in your body and change. It's too late, you know. And so the karma comes in, just like you said, you know. And then now, the, in your book, you also talk about your spiritual levels of heaven. Now, I mean, is it like Earth? Like, you know, I could choose to be a drug addict, go to jail, or I can work really hard and get a house, you know, you know be above them or whatever. I mean... Does heaven work like that? You no. Know, what 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 do you mean? No, I've read the book. I'm saying this for the people that haven't read your book. What do you mean? There's levels in heaven, spiritual levels. You know, I know there, the Bible. Jesus be... said, you know. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Jesus said, "My Father's house has many mansions." Okay, you say that in your book. So yes. I, I don't. Understand that concept. What, what do you, I thought if I died and went to heaven, it's all good. So, what do you mean about the spiritual levels? You explain it in your book very eloquently, but for the readers that haven't read it, could you please, without giving away your book, of course, just touch on it a little bit? Um, using the analogy again of um, a radio dial, there's lower frequencies and there are higher frequencies. And there is not a one-size-fits-all uh, heaven for everybody. And as I explain in the book that um, you can move from a lower level to a higher level. And I, I really don't want to get into this that much because it took so long to construct and to write that chapter. I would prefer it if people w would would read it because I explain it a lot better there than I can here. Um, but suffice okay. it to say that, that there are a multitude of frequencies on the other side, and what we do here has a direct impact on where we go there. Okay. Okay. I like that. Let me retro your book and go back a little bit. In my family, okay, I have, you know, my uh, father is Spanish and Native American, and he married a woman in England in World War II. They call a war bride. She was British. On her side of the family, you know, psychics, mediums go all the way down. My side of the family, same thing, including cousins and everybody, you know. And not everybody has it, but a great deal do. Okay, so we had it. Uh, so, you know, back then, they didn't really, you know, they had their groups, you know, where people would meet and have their sessions and so forth, seances, whatever. Somebody during World War II in England, uh, Emma something, uh, brought in a spirit that died in a ship that sunk, which, according to the British military, was top secret at the time, and they arrested her, took her to prison, and kept her in there so she wouldn't give away any more information. So... The British military or government believed in psychics, and they locked her up for until the war was over, so she wouldn't give out any more information in case there was a spy at one of the readings that could find out. I mean, I guess somebody must have believed in it back then. But no, you really couldn't talk about it because when I was young, if you, like I said earlier, if you called in a radio station, they would laugh at you, make fun of you, and hang up on you, so or Dave, if what's you told your, your friends you. My question what's, is... What's your question? My question is, when you were, had it really good, 
you know, you were nine, you were 15, whatever it was, Mark, okay? Were you able to talk about it then or not? And if so, or if not, why? Um, I started perceiving spirits when I was four years old. And I was able to talk about it in my house because both of my parents are mediums. And the ability that I have appears to run in the family for generations. And when I started, you know, when I started talking about my friends and all this, I'll never forget my mom going, oh, no. <laughs> Not like I was doing something bad. I was like, oh, this poor kid. And my dad was like, I remember, he goes, oh, geez. And uh, they, uh, dad, dad, though, didn't want me talking about it. Um, he was afraid because, as I explain in the chapter on uh, the double-edged sword of inherited psychic ability, what happened to some of his um, um well, his sister and and other people in the family. Um, but because my parents could perceive spirits, they were very open about it. They were very tolerant about it and very supportive. And so what they did is they told me, don't talk about it outside of the household. So in Evidence of Eternity, I explained about how spirit communication um, is an inherited trait I believe that mediums are born, not necessarily made, because a lot of people that, oh, I want to learn how to do what you do, and they may be able to cultivate it to an extent. And and I'm not saying, oh, I'm better than them, because it's like I can take swimming lessons, and I have, and I can swim, but I can never swim like Michael Phelps, and, and I play guitar, and I can right. never play like, you know, Eric Clapton or Jimmy Page or, you know, whoever. So we all have differing abilities, and... and um I was fortunate because my parents had those abilities and did not chastise me or censure me because of it. Yes. Yes, you were. That's Thank, excellent. Thank you. My family had it, but it was never explained to me. I had to learn on my own. So also in your book, what do you say to those people that, um, well, you know, my sister is dying of cancer, you know, for example, and she only has a few days to live. I'm be heartbroken. I never, never see her again, and this is a great loss. You know, she's only 36 and she's dying. Or my husband passed away at only 55 and not 75. You know, oh my God. You know, I mean, you know, what happens when, when I'm going to die? You know, I mean, there's going to be nothing. I mean, how do you console those people? I'm, I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, how do how do you console people well, who've had? Well, when I die, then there's going to be nothing, and I'll never see him again. You know, I don't know. I'm just lost. What what do I do? You know, I'm afraid to die. What's going to happen when I die? You know, well, I'll that, be that's, no more. that's the whole point. That's that's kind of the whole point of evidence of eternity is to remove the fear and the superstition about the afterlife. Life is everlasting. And um, I, I developed a number of new terms and concepts, such as interdimensional communication, to explain what it is that I do when I'm communicating with spirits. We're actually communicating with another dimension. And people need to realize life is truly everlasting, because as the laws of physics teach us, energy is neither destroyed nor created, only transferred from one form to another. And all the great religions teach us that the spirit, the soul, if you will, pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then when the body ceases functioning, moves on. Science and faith are not mutually exclusive. And that's one of the major points of evidence of eternity is that perhaps the ultimate objective of science is the discovery of God. That, I agree. I agree that with that. truly, truly amazing. Humankind is waking up. No. Um, Mark, it, you've had lots of book signings recently, and you've been really very busy. Is there any announcements you'd like to tell the people about right now? Um, I, I'd like to invite all the listeners to go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com. We made it simple, just like just like the book. And go ahead, if you're on Facebook, go ahead and, and like my Facebook page, um, because then you'll you'll be always up to date on where I'm going to be appearing, um, gearing up for uh, more book tours to Atlanta, to Los Angeles, 
um, to Denver, uh, Boulder, Fort Collins, and Colorado, and we've got several more in the works right now. Thank That's you. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I've al- I've also uh, let it um, typed it in the chat room so everyone could uh, copy it over. And, and if you want to have a reading from Mark, make sure you contact him. He gives amazing readings. Get his books and check out his uh, website. He has a new one called NeverLettingGo.com. And also check out uh, Mark Anthony on YouTube. All you have to do is type in his name, Mark Anthony, or Media Mark Anthony, or Media Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. And please watch his YouTube videos. It's like he's talking directly to you. He has some amazing, amazing information. Mark. Thank you so much for being our program tonight. We love you. We believe in you. <laughs> and you have a very important message. You've helped so many people. Thank you for what you do, Mark. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you and Sherelle having me on the show. And I'd like to um, thank all the listeners for tuning in. And keep tuning in to this show. This is a great one. And God bless all of you. Thank you, thank Mark. You. Now, I'm going to ask you on the air before I go, do I have permission to put your shows on YouTube? Absolutely. So, a wider audience. Okay, thank you, Mark. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you. I love you, brother. And let's stay in contact and do some more things in the future. All right. Thank you, Dave. Good night, Cheryl. All right. Thank you, Mark. Have a wonderful night. Thank you so much. Good night. Thanks. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this edition of Beyond the Gate Radio. If you like us, please uh, press the follow button. And on Facebook, Beyond the Gate Radio is there as well. You can like the page and see what's upcoming. Thank you for listening to our show. We love you all. And we didn't have readings with Mark this time because we wanted to discuss his book. But perhaps next time... And then also have some more psychic mediums coming on, which are not posted yet, that we will do readings for you, the listeners. So thank you very much for your dedication and listening. And this has been Beyond the Gate Radio with medium Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, and this book, Evidence of Eternity, on this March 22nd edition of Beyond the Gate Radio 2015. Sherelle, thank you for being a great co-host tonight. Thank you very much, David. I did have a question that came through uh, the chat room, and I thought I was going to get a chance to ask Mark that, but I was unable to ask him that. But I was wondering if you would be able to take this quick question. Um, There was um, a question from um, Hope East C6. She says, I have a question I'm considering filing a wrongful death case against a nursing home, but I don't know if I if it would be successful. Could you give us your instant take on that? Yeah, I feel that she should just go ahead and do it. Just do it. But make sure, well, psychically, I'm seeing, yes, just do it. So, so no, you know, I'm maybe a little bit prejudicial in this. And why? why is that? Because I'm a medium, and also because I come from a law enforcement background. Doc, you, you ever watch Judge Judy? And she yes. said, where is the papers? Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. If you didn't bring that to the court, then you don't have a case. Make sure you have every freaking document, witness, everything you can. Oh, when pers- you go to court. Okay. And pursue it. I see that there is a case there, and I say, go ahead and go for it. Okay. and Okay, I will pass that along to the person that's in chat room that had the question. And um, we did have um, a doctor, Dr. Emma Parrish, listening in on the chat room, which was really great to have, and a couple of other people. Like Sandy and Russ Wells are friends and major paranormal investigators and teachers. And Sandy's a psychic medium. So Sandy and Russ Wells, thank you for listening. And Emma Parrish, thank you for listening too. And uh, all the other faithful listeners, 
Thank you. God bless and good night. Until next time. Thank you, everyone. Good night.